Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is the weekly podcast for all your tillage news and advice. In this episode, I'll be discussing cover crops with Richie Hackett from Chagas Oak Park. I first asked Richie, what is a cover crop and is there a difference between a cover crop, a green cover and a catch crop? The normal definition of a cover crop would be a crop that's grown during the fallow period between uh, two cash crops. Uh, that's, and it's grown to give some benefit uh, to the succeeding crop without necessarily being, being harvested as a crop in its own right. I suppose in terms of the different terms that you use, there, there's many different terms used to describe this type of cover crop. And, and the terms that are used are often linked to its function. So a cover crop would be something that's used to, to cover the crop, if you like. A, a catch crop is something that would be used to catch uh, nutrients uh, and prevent them from being lost, lost such as, as nitrate. And a green manure is, is something that's uh, used to provide uh, a benefit to the next crop in terms of, of, of nutrition of, of the next crop. Uh, so I suppose all, the, all those terms are used interchangeably and they, they all refer to essentially uh, the, the same thing. Um, but for the most part, all these crops won't be harvested as a, as a crop. I suppose I would make a, defini- uh, a distinction uh, be- between a situation where the main aim is to protect or enhance the soil, uh, so a cover crop, uh, and a forage crop where the main aim is to grow an actual crop to feed uh, uh, animals later in the season. I'd see them as two different things. That said, many growers will graze off cover crops, what are grown as cover crops, uh, later on in the season as a means of, of destruction. Uh, so it's a bit of crossover between those two as well. Okay, Richie, so there's lots of different um, uh, different reasons why guys are putting it in, whether it's capturing of nitrates or grazing for animals or for organic manures uh, or, or, or organic buildup, if you like. Are, are there any other reasons there that guys are putting them in? Well, I suppose realistically, one of the main reasons that growers are, are thinking about them at the moment is because they have taken them as an option in the gloss scheme and, and where they have to sow them to claim their gloss payments or maybe uh, some people will be required to sow them uh, in order to get their full entitlements under the uh, the basic payment scheme system. Um, but I suppose uh, cr- growers, as you mentioned, will, will often grow them for other reasons as well, even if they're not in, in glass. And, and one of the main benefits of cover crops under our climatic climatic conditions will be to prevent prevention of, of nitrate leaching during the autumn winter period. Um, and, and that's quite important. But growers may also choose to, to grow cover crops to enhance the soil, as you mentioned, and avoid leaving soils bare uh, over the winter period, which can be beneficial uh, as well. So you mentioned nitrogen capture from the soil by these crops. How worthwhile is that? Uh, it's very worthwhile. Uh, so nit- nitrate is a very leak- leaky nutrient and any nitrate that's in the soil over the winter period under our conditions will be washed out of the soil and into water bodies. And we've only got to think of, of what went on uh, over the last autumn winter period in terms of rainfall. And once it gets into the, the water bodies, it's, it can start to cause problems, not necessarily in the rivers, but in, in the estuaries at, at the ends of the, the rivers. And under the nitrates directive, Ireland is obliged to protect water from nitrate loss, from, particularly from agriculture. So in order to avoid even tighter regulations in the future, it's important that we minimise losses of nitrate as, as much as possible. And cover crops are a very effective means of, of doing this, particularly in arable situations in, in advance of a, a spring crop. And obviously any, any nitrate that has been taken up by, by a, a cover crop over the winter period, it can't be lost and it, it's potentially there for the, the, the succeeding uh, uh, a crop. And I suppose just in the context of the current season, it's, it's very important to remember that we've had a quite a bad drought 
yields are so far disappointing and spring crops look quite uh, poor in, in many areas and it's likely that they will not have used a lot of the nitrogen that was applied to them so there may even be more nitrogen lying around in the soils this year compared to other years so it's quite important that we try to prevent as much of that as possible from getting into our rivers. Richie, just also ask you then about the other nutrient is in phosphorus, which is one that's a bit leaky from, from tillage soils as well. Uh, do we have any information to suggest that cover crops could be useful in preventing phosphorus loss? Uh, well, the, the main pathway of phosphorus loss will be overland flow, so flowing over the, 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 the water, flowing over the field and, and into a, a, a stream or a river, whereas with nitrate, it's actually going down through the soil. And insofar as cover crops, a uh, permanent cover of, of a growing material will, will tend to reduce the amount of overland flow and, and it will, to some degree, help uh, losses of, of phosphorus as well. Plus, a lot of phosphorus is lost in association with soil particles. So if, if, the, if the crop is, is holding the soil together better, uh, that will tend to reduce uh, uh, losses of phosphorus as well. But the, the main benefit in terms of cover crops would be uh, prevent, prevention of, of nitrate loss. Okay. And many people, farmers out there who are very keen on cover crops, uh, free, I suppose, uh, they point to the health benefits of of uh, these cover cross crops and continuous cover on soils. What sort of health benefits should a farmer expect uh, for a cover crop on soils? Well, I, I suppose that the benefits of a cover crop will depend on how much uh, organic matter, how much growth is is being uh, produced, uh, how much material is being returned back in into the soil, and. Uh, in reality, most crops, most cover crops are sown in, in late August, September. Uh, the amount of, of actual growth that they will, they will make is, is relatively small. Um, and if, if we look at one of the measurements that you could measure in terms uh, of, of quality would be soil organic matter content. And, and, the, and that's something that many growers might have measured a few years ago as part of their uh, single farm payment uh, requirements. And it would take quite a good few years to see any discernible difference in that measurement uh, by growing uh, cover crops. So we grew cover crops each year for over 10 years at a particular site in Oak Park. Uh, and we compared it with where we kept the, the soil ground, or the, the soil bare each uh, winter. And uh, we could find very little difference in terms of the overall organic matter. That said, you can get um, some small uh, fractions of that organic matter, uh, the more active pools of organic matter that are often more important for soil functioning and, and effects on, on these can be a bit larger compared to the overall organic matter level. However, all, all, all things being equal, the effects of cover crops on organic matter will tend to be slow, uh, but they will accumulate over time provided you keep growing the crops. So I suppose the secret is you, you need to repeat it over and over and over again. Just doing it once will have a, a, a fairly limited, a very small effect. So, Richie, you described a, a horizon period of 10 years in Oak Park where there was, wasn't a huge amount of difference um, despite growing cover crops each year. So in terms of that overall time horizon to, to increase the level of organic matter by a significant amount, are you talking about, you know, is it, is, is it a minimum of 10 years or is it, you know, a lifetime of its worth? It's continuous, so it's very difficult to put a, an exact time span on it. Like, there, there would have been very small differences in, in, in the 10 years and they were tending, it was accumulating, 
accumulating as each year went by, but it didn't happen after one year or two years. Uh, it, it, you need to, it's, it's a continuous operation. Anything to do with organic matter is slow, uh, particularly if you're trying to increase it, it's easy to de decrease it, but as you're trying to increase it, it's, it's slow and you need to keep doing whatever you're doing. If you just do something and stop, the organic matter level will tend to revert to what it was before you, you started. So with all these um, things, they cost money to put in uh, cover crops. Uh, how much does it cost? And can a farmer get back some return in the following years? Well, I suppose like can answer the second part of the question first in, in, in terms of a return. Uh, I suppose I see uh, the main ways that a farmer can get a return from cover crops other than payments such as, as gloss or, or, or is, is single farm payment is, is true either the increase in yield of the following crop as a result of growing the, the cover crop or reductions in the level of inputs that he needs to put into the following crop um, because he had the cover crop or perhaps maybe through getting some grazing value from, from the, the crop. I suppose in terms of looking at the benefits in terms of yield of, of the, the following crop, there's been quite a lot of research done over the years, both in Ireland and but also in particularly Northwest Europe. So places like uh, France, Denmark and, and various other countries in, in, in that, that region uh, where they've studied the effect of cover crops on, on the succeeding uh, crops. And what generally has been found is that particularly where does not where legumes are not a significant part of the cover crop it is very difficult to show big yield advantages in the next in the following crop as a result of cover crops and i suppose if you'll remember the the danish speaker who spoke at our tillage conference back in january uh, they reported that uh, in, in denmark she reported that in denmark where they've done quite a lot of work with, with cover crops over the years they've been mandatory there for a long number of years they can expect a yield benefit of, of at most 0.1 or 0.2 of a ton per hectare on light sandy soils and on more medium or heavy textured soils they usually don't see any yield benefit and that would largely tie in with what we found in our findings here at oak park over the years uh, I suppose the second area where, where inputs is where there can be some return got is where inputs such as nitrogen might be reduced in the next crop. And yes, especially where there's a lot of legume present uh, in the cover crop, uh, they can give some nitrogen to the following crop. But the big problem is it's not very easy to predict. So you're not, you're not always sure by how much you should reduce your, your, fert your bag nitrogen by. And, and that causes uh, some problems. It's something we're working on to try and see, can we predict how much nitrogen is coming from a cover crop, but uh, we're, we're, that's at a very early stage. Uh, so to sum up significant economic benefits of, of cover crops as a result of effects on subsequent crops are, are difficult to achieve, um, and it'll usually be quite uh, small. But I suppose many growers, as I mentioned earlier, will try monetize the cover crop, um, either by grazing with their own stock or by take, taking in uh, other people's livestock on a, a rental basis uh, and this can certainly help with the economics of, of the cover crops. And in terms then Richard just going back to to the costs is it are, are the costs straightforward or is it is there a wide variety I suppose of or, or, or a range of costs that a farmer can spend on these cover crops? Well I suppose there's essentially three costs associated with cover crops is the cost of the seed, the cost of the sowing operation and any cost of, of, of the stock destruction. And they're all highly variable, so there's no one set cost, if you like. Uh, and to a large extent, it'll be dependent on the individual uh, farm situation. And, and the cost of sowing will depend on whether a grower is using his own machinery, for example, or if he's uh, hiring in a, a, a contractor. 
as seeds will depend on what's actually in the mix that you're using and it can be quite a big variation in, in, in seed cost. Uh, obviously, if you're in gloss, there's a set list of, of cover crops that, that, that you can use uh, and you can get away with very simple mixes like leafy turnip, turnip and forage, forage rape, which have a relatively low cost. Uh, but in other situations, you might have to go with, with more expensive uh, situations. Uh, I suppose my, my advice in terms of, of uh, seeds selection would be to choose the species or a single species or a, a simple species mix that will achieve your objectives without causing rotational problems with, with the lowest cost. And, and given that the economic benefits of these cover crops are fairly modest, uh, that the main objective with, with all costs, including your sowing costs, is to keep them as low as possible. So Richie, there's, I suppose there, there, there's many different cover crop types and they all have some very exotic names out there from what's been sold out to farmers. Some of them, uh, you know, have, have um, sunflowers and have facilities and they have, I don't know, lots of exotic kind of mixes in them. Uh, do we have a view on, I know you said one or two species is probably good, but are the others really bringing in any benefit or have we any research to, to point to that? Well, a lot of the research that has been done, uh, both here in Ireland and, and, and abroad, has been using a, looking at one or two uh, species in, in, in a mix. There has been some work looking at, at more complex mixes with, with greater numbers of, of, of species involved. But in general, they haven't shown any great benefit of increasing the numbers of, of species in, in, in the mix. I know there was some recent work done in the, in the UK where they looked at, at up to five-way mixes uh, in, in that particular project and they couldn't really see any benefits in, in the mixes even relative to, to, to single species. Obviously, if you're in gloss, you have to use a, um, uh, you have to use a, some sort of mixture. Um, but in general, I, I would keep it as simple as, as, as you can would be my advice. So when you come back to the simple mixtures, brassicas probably make up a, a reasonable component of that. Should a grower be concerned about lots of brassicas in your rotation? I would say the main rotational concern with brassicas is where you're growing other brassicas in the rotation, such as oilseed rape. And if you do have oilseed rape in your rotation, I think it would be best to avoid brassica cover crops as, as they can increase disease levels, uh, particularly uh, things like club root. Uh, which will cause you problems down the road if, if it does happen. So I suppose that with, with all crops, the general principle uh, when you're using cover crops is try not to proceed a particular uh, cash crop with a, a cover crop that's related to that cash, catch, uh, to that cash crop, if you understand what, what I'm saying. Okay, so choose something like um, vetches or facilias or something, something very different um, to, to help that break. Yeah, uh, so keep it as different from the, the crop you're going to grow, uh, from the, the cash crop that you're going to grow as possible, and, and that will help avoid uh, disease problems and okay. pest problems. So is it worthwhile putting in a cover crop between winter crops, as in between winter barley and maybe coming back with winter barley again, or winter wheat and coming back with winter barley? Or are these cover crops more suitable for spring lake rotations? I suppose the problem with sowing between winter crops is that, the off, is, is that often the time between having the, clears, the fields cleared and, and being, being able to sow the crop and the time that you're, you're, you're going to, to get rid of the, the cover crop to, before you sow your winter barley or whatever, it can be quite short. So any potential benefits will be, will be capped, if you like. Uh, in terms of the main benefit that I see of cover crops that we spoke about earlier, that's the prevention of, of nitrate leaching. The benefit is will be greatest for spring cropping where, where nitrogen remains in the plant over the winter period 
Whereas if you're plowing in uh, or cultivating or otherwise just destroying a cover crop before a winter, sowing a winter barley crop or whatever, that nitrogen will start to be released again uh, over the winter period and some of it is, is, is likely to be lost. So I suppose in summary, I would see them as being most suitable to spring cropping. Yes, of course, you can do them between winter crops if you want, but the, you're probably going to get uh, better uh, effects, uh, particularly in terms of leaching, but also in terms of increasing organic matter um, uh, and protecting the soil over the winter period uh, from in a spring cropping system. Okay, so sowing early is obviously the, the, the best method of getting the most out of them. Richie, I just want to ask you a final question. Um, and we mentioned cost already before, uh, and uh, it is kind of difficult to get your money back from these. Uh, and an establishment method obviously is, is part of those growing costs. From your experience or what you see out there, what is the best method to try and establish these cover crops? Well, I suppose there isn't any one best method, but I would try to do it as cheaply as possible. Um, so a lot of people uh, just broadcast the seed, the seed either with a, a slug pellet applicator or a grass seed applicator or, or um, even a fertilizer spreader and then uh, a light uh, harrowing and, and, and ideally, I suppose, a ring roll it afterwards as well. And that's quite uh, cheap and cheerful and it, it does does quite well. That's the sort of system that we use here at Oak Park when we're, we're sowing plots works quite well others will will use uh, if, if they have a, a cultivator type drill they may well use that and that's fine as well um, uh, but I, I would say as, as cheaply as possible main objective is to get the seed onto the soil and ideally with a light coverage and uh, with the minimum of soil disturbance and and uh, just that that should set up for a, a, a good crop. Richie, thanks very much for your time. Uh, it's been great chatting to you again. Um, so look, that's great. Thank you very much. And we will uh, chat to you again later in the year. Thank you, Michael, for that. That's it for the Tillage Edge this week. My thanks to Richie for joining me on the podcast. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more farming information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.